Hello, everyone. Welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm your host, Corbin Weinerman, joined by, as always, my co-host, Perry Aston. Perry, say hello. What's going on, everybody? And today we have a very exciting podcast for all of you. We're going to be talking about the start to the NBA season. But before we get into that, remember that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and you can also listen to our podcast on SoundCloud. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMRPK. And Perry, once again, I still remember your Twitter handle. It's at ah, Perry Aston. What Perry, a great day. Yeah, it's a tough one to remember. It's your first and last name. Yeah, guys, shoot us a follow on Twitter. We're all over everything going on in the NBA, all the fun rumors, all anything you want to know. We're right on it. So give us a follow. Our Twitter page has been growing tremendously in the past few weeks, kind of months. I'm super proud of it, and uh, our listeners, thank you so much for interacting with us, and shooting us questions, debates, doesn't matter what you guys have been doing, it's been awesome, and Corbin and I have been having a great time getting a lot more involved over on there, so thank you guys for that, and let's keep it up. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, we've had some uh, back and forth interactions with people that have led to some polls that we've shot out to see what other people think, we'll be talking about those a little bit later on in the podcast. Uh, First off, I know... Perry, uh, you and I were both really proud about one tweet we had. Um, you tweeted it out, so I'll let you talk a little bit more about it with Jason Tatum. Yeah, I mean, this is our best tweet yet. But, uh, at, yeah, awesome tweet uh, about Jason Tatum opening up the season with, of course, his double-double that he did. Uh, what's awesome about that is the fact that he was the first Celtic to do that since Larry Bird. So that's a company right there. You're with one of the best Celtics of all time, some would say the best. Um, clearly hasn't been a debut like that for the Celtics since Bird. So what are your reactions on that just off before we get a little more into the tweet? Well, I mean, started off, there aren't many debuts that have been like that just because the Celtics since Larry Bird, for the most part, they've been a pretty good team, so they don't have great rookies debuting. Um, but nonetheless, it's very impressive whenever – your first game in the NBA is a double-double. That's definitely off to a really good start. And Tatum, through his first four or five games, he's looked pretty good. And he's going to have to look pretty good, especially with the Gordon Hayward injury, which I know we're going to get into in a little bit. Um, but yeah, he's had a really nice start to the season. Right. And uh, I know our tweet had over 25,000 impressions, over 3,000 interactions so really got out to a large audience everyone really loved that tweet it was blowing up still getting retweets on it today just about everyone's excited about this young guy and the celtics need something to be excited about right now with hayward going down and of course tatum had a lot of expectations off the bat people were hoping he was going to be great i know i was extremely high on him coming in the draft even thought he might have been the best player coming in so i'm not surprised at all but kind of a pathway is kind of opened up for him now even though he was starting in the starting lineup i really did enjoy how they set that up but now clearly hayward's not there so what are your feelings just really quick on tatum and his role well it's definitely bigger than it was going to be than the celtics front office and coaching staff would have hoped for it to be um i know he started uh the first game of the season so He's still going to have a nice role, but Gordon Hayward going down, Tatum, other than Kyrie Irving, is probably their best 
player that can get his own shot whenever he needs. So that's a lot to put on a rookie, but Tatum is really skilled. Um, he's about six foot eight, pretty athletic, um, but he's uh, he's definitely going to be called upon to put up big numbers. And so far, I know it's a very small sample size, but he's looked really impressive. I think the Celtics are still, even without Gordon Hayward, they're going to be one of the top teams in the East. Um, we'll talk about what this does with the path to the finals in the East now that Gordon Hayward has gone down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been impressed with what I've seen from Tatum so far. He impressed me in summer league and he's impressed me so far in the regular season. What about you? I love him. You know that. Yeah, since I know. Him and, uh, I think he's explosive. He's young. He's, he is a great defender as well, which I appreciate. Uh, he can make his own shot. Like you said, he's a matchup problem. I like him there. I mean, I love him there, honestly. And with Jalen Brown, two of them, it's kind of just, in my head, it's can the two of them produce what Gordon Hayward could produce this year? And that's to me, I know that it's not exactly like that, but to me, those two players combined, I'm hoping they can bring that same sort of production between the two of them, which shouldn't be too hard considering I'm expecting a lot from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as well, coming off, you know, not the best best year for him. I expected a little bit more, but he still improved very much, and he's showing uh, that he's maturing on the court at least on some games. So, uh, and I know he had a, a very nice preseason. So, I expect the two of them to step up for Hayward, but Tatum's going to be that young bull that's going to really need to put that same kind of star power into that game because with Kyrie there, he can make anyone better. He can also take over a game on his own. So he's kind of just going to be doing his thing, looking for who who can finish, who can step up to be that guy throughout the year with him. I really, I, I have a lot of faith in Kyrie in Boston. I don't think Hayward going down had anything. Obviously, it put a big damper on his parade with him going there, and it looked so nice with him and Horford, and, you know, the three of them were looking really good with a good supporting staff. That's Tatum and Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart's pretty deep on the bench now, it feels like, you know, so... That's impressive, but you know it, it was depressing. I, uh, you know, I was at a sports bar right when this game was happening. I was watching the game. Everyone was there for basketball that day. It was really nice because it was the opening day, of course, and everyone wanted to see the the Celtics and Cavs, which was an amazing matchup even after the injury happened. But when he went down, everyone was quiet. Everyone like felt sick. Like everyone was looking at it. It just was like how Paul George was in the Olympics. That was the last time that any of these, I feel like anyone felt this way. Just so sad and kind of just so hurt watching a, you know, a player that was, he's a humble player. He's a player that it was a long off season figuring out where he was going to go. He finally went to Boston. Kyrie went there. It looks like very intriguing for all NBA fans. Having him go down just really sucked because you can't see anything it was literally five minutes in so i mean yeah just back getting a little off subject there of course but you know jason tatum's got a lot of some big shoes to fill i know he hasn't really done too much with the celtics hayward of course he's only played for five minutes but look at the caliber of player that he is and how much it took to bring him in there so that that wasn't just a smoke screen that was so he's he's the real deal in my opinion i don't think he's going to be the star of a team but him and Kyrie could have combined done a lot of awesome stuff this year at least been fun to watch so it really breaks yeah. my heart to see a player like that go down yeah i think at least initially the celtics 
are going to be leaning a little bit more on Jalen Brown than Tatum. Um, just because Jalen Brown, Tatum's an okay defender. I think Jalen Brown is definitely the superior of the two on the defensive end. Offensively, definitely. Tatum might have an edge. I think long-term, obviously, he's going to be a – or I would assume he'll be a much better offensive player than Jalen Brown. But right now, I think Brown's a better player at this stage. Probably even by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if Tatum's a better player. Um, but yeah, let's go, I guess, a little bit um, out of order. We were going to talk about the Gordon Hayward injury um, a little bit later on, but since you brought it up, we'll just uh, talk about it right now. So let's talk about some overreactions or not an overreaction. So you mentioned the Gordon Hayward injury, which was gruesome. I hated seeing that. You hate seeing anyone go down like yeah, that. Just a just disgusting injury that, yeah, you wouldn't wish that on anyone. Um, but he's out for the rest of the year now. Um, so with Gordon Hayward out for the rest of the year, do you consider it now just a foregone conclusion that the Cavs are going to win the East? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. I, what about you? I think... I mean, I thought that they were going to win the East anyways, but now that he goes down, I think there's a stronger likelihood. But I can't just say foregone conclusion because you saw that freak injury that happened to Hayward. What if God forbid? God no, forbid. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of was expect. I was kind of going with it as if things were staying okay. how they are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If things course, stay the how they are now, if things stay how they are now, I think even if the Cavs don't have Isaiah Thomas, if something happens where he can't come back from his hip injury this year. I still think they win the East. Uh, yeah, with Isaiah Thomas, if he doesn't come back, which isn't going to happen, he's clearly coming back. But let's say he didn't come back. And Hayward's out. Just totally agree with you. Cavs still win. There's no there's no difference in my mind. It can't, and Kyrie and the kids you know, aren't going to take down LeBron in his last. Honestly, I think it's his last shot to win MVP this year. So Yeah, um... I don't know, I think as long as he's playing just with how great he is, he'll always have a shot at MVP. But yeah, I mean, it, eventually... It really just depends if he leaves or not this year as well. Well, eventually he's going to start slowing down. I feel like it happens with everyone. LeBron James is probably the most incredible athlete the NBA has ever seen. Ever? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, eventually he will slow down. Um but yeah, I think it's a foregone conclusion um, as long as the Cavs stay healthy. Really, as long as LeBron James is healthy, I don't see any way that any team in the East beats out the Cavs for the Eastern Conference Championship. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so let's move on to um, another one. So is it an overreaction or not an overreaction that the NBA made a mistake switching from Adidas jerseys to Nike's jerseys? And this comes out of, um, we've seen through the first week two weeks of the regular season plus the preseason there's been three big rips in the jerseys that the players are now wearing which are made by nike and for as long as the nba has been wearing those adidas jerseys which have been as long as i can remember i don't really remember any rips i think carl malone one time when he was on the lakers in 04 had a little rip in his jersey but i mean this is three rips in the first four or five weeks of NBA action, including the preseason. What do you think? Yeah, last night, Draymond Green uh, got in a little scuffle with uh, Bradley Beal. This one wasn't Draymond's fault, by the way. I watched replays and everything. This was all Beal, so that's a little surprising. 
But just at the end, you see, obviously, someone holding Draymond Green. There's a picture I have on Twitter. And literally, it's where it's E-E-N, and your right shoulder, it's just completely ripped. Like someone just, you know, tore you down or something. I, I don't – it was that. I saw Tyler Ennis had uh, on the Lakers. He's number 10. Literally, the zero was hanging off. Yeah. Like completely, like you just took the zero off. And I know LeBron James, of course, had that giant tear in between the two and the three. So those are three huge rips. These aren't little rips on the shoulder, maybe on the side. Something happened maybe once. This is six games in for most of these teams' tops. Some of them are five games in. And you're talking three different players around the NBA on national television have had their jerseys just dangling. How does that look for you, Nike? On the year that you've just, you know, had this huge, huge money deal to now have your the jerseys be for you, and now you have the sponsors on the jerseys as well. It's a big year for all eyes on the NBA jerseys and seeing what happens with those. And they're just going to tear all over the place. Yeah, it's uh, not a good look for Nike for sure. I was reading that they've tried to incorporate some sort of a different material than what Adidas was using, and it's supposed to wick away sweat better than Adidas material, but, I mean, it's obviously not... I don't care if it takes away sweat if jerseys are ripping. Yeah, it's not holding together well. I still think the bigger mistake than just switching to Nike is just the... I just am not a fan of the logos on the jerseys. I just don't like how it looks at it's all. It's awful. Yeah, it's just. It's what are we soccer teams now? Like whip, because for soccer teams, you look at their jersey. It says like Jeep in giant letters, and it's like, oh, cool, that's like the New York Jeeps. Yep. But clearly not. It's like a little small logo somewhere for their team. Like it's less important. I don't know. At this point, I feel like soccer is just so absorbed in that kind of marketing that they don't even have team names anymore it's just the you know hotel mirages <laughs> yeah yeah I, remember. But, uh, and I don't want that for the nba i think it looks stupid yeah i remember when i first like started watching soccer and like noticing these jerseys where they just had logos of these uh corporations on their jersey i i thought that that was just the name of the team that was the yeah me too at first but even not thinking that it's it might as well be yeah and you see that in the wnba on their jerseys they have the big ads on their um jerseys um and i understand that in the nba it's just a little patch on the shoulder but it just doesn't look good to start off and i just feel like it's just the start of transitioning to more and more things we see uh commissioner silver i believe he said at some point that it's just a small thing and that's all it's going to go to that's how everything starts you start with just a little small thing and then it's oh well you know what we can make more money if we make this logo a little bit bigger okay how about we put this logo on the back of our jersey and uh take up two times the size four times the size and then we can get maybe two times as much money for it, something like that. And that's that's my fear, is that the NBA is just going to start getting money-hungry, which, as humans, I mean, everyone gets greedy, but it just, it's, 
it just takes away from the game a little bit, I think. Right. No, I agree, and I think it's annoying. And yeah. kids growing up these days, you're going to go buy yourself your first Laker jersey with the word Wish on it, or your first Bucks jersey with a Harley Davidson logo. Like, that just doesn't match for me. Yeah, that's why... That's why probably the biggest thing why I'm hesitating to get Alonzo Ball jersey is just I don't want I don't want to add on my jersey. I'm paying money to buy this article of clothing, and then it's going to have some advertising on it. No, I don't. I totally, I totally agree with you. That's why I've been hesitant to buy new jerseys too. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's move on to the next overreaction or not an overreaction. So we had a Twitter poll. Um, a few days ago, uh, the Magic are currently sitting in first place in the Eastern Conference. They're four and one. The Nets, if the playoffs were to start today, would also be in. So we asked if either of these teams, the Nets or the Magic, would make the playoffs. According to our Twitter followers, forty-seven percent of you said no, neither of them will. Twenty-one percent said the Nets will. Twenty-one percent said the Magic will, and eleven percent said that both teams will make the playoffs. What do you think? I'm, I'm happy to hear that not a lot of our followers said both. <laughs> that would be a little bit of a reach. Yeah. I am happy to hear 21% for both the teams. At least um, some of our Twitter followers having faith in one of the teams. Uh, if Jeremy Lin didn't go down, which we didn't mention either, Jeremy right. Lin went down the day after Hayward with a gruesome, gruesome knee injury also. Yeah. Just seeing his face, he looked over, kind of like gave him the, I'm not okay, and just kind of went in shock and just kind of started crying. And it was crazy to see. But I know he's not a huge difference maker, but I really liked that backcourt of Jeremy Lin and D'Angelo Russell, especially with D'Angelo Russell coming out the way he's coming out this year, just like we expected him to, playing much better in a new environment. So I had a lot of faith going into there, not that they would make the playoffs, but that they would be entertained to watch, have a good core. Damari Carroll's playing like he used to play in Atlanta, hoping, you know, Alan Crabb. They have some talent there, to be honest, and... I do believe that they could pull something together with Lynn going down. It was a little sad to see. But I can see why people might believe in the Nets if they wanted to, or at least hope that they're not going to be the Nets that they've been the past few years. They'll actually be somewhat entertaining and be in the mediocre 10 to 12 spot, at least. You know, Not a playoff team, not the worst, but at least you have people buying tickets. I personally think the Magic are going to make the playoffs. Uh, I don't. They're not going to be the one seed. Definitely not. That's really surprising. Shout out to the Orlando Magic. Neither of us expected this, and I know no NBA fan expected this. So that's awesome. I think they might be able to slip in as like the seven or eight seed. And it's just a lot of young talent there. It's a matter of time when they were going to step up and form some sort of bond. Someone steps up as somewhat of a leader. I know Nikolai. Vucevic, that's how you pronounce his name, came out strong with a 40-plus game. And other than that, he still played pretty well. Uh, I like how Jonathan Simmons has started to integrate himself there. So I think the Magic slip in, and they're not going to be first, but maybe a 7 or an 8 seed. I don't think that that's personally going to slip in, but I think they're going to be more fun to watch. Yeah, I know in my season predictions I had the Magic as the 11 seed and the Nets as the 12 seed. I still don't think either of them are going to make the playoffs, but... If I had to choose between the two of them, I'm actually going to go with the Nets over the Magic. Just I, You know how big of a fan I am of D'Angelo Russell. I think it was a huge mistake for the Lakers to trade him. He's looked really good in Brooklyn so far. He had to sit out one game with 
his knee was bugging him, which he had some problems with that last year in L.A., but then he came back yesterday. Well, we're recording this on Saturday, so on Friday night um, he played, I believe it was 17 minutes, and he had 15 points on, I think, 6 of 10 shooting. He is really good, um, and I think him, I like Alan Crabb as a shooter um, on the outside. Damari Carroll, yeah, he's been playing better. I think if one of those teams is going to make the playoffs, I just like the Nets. I think they're they have just a little bit more more pieces um, surrounding their best player, D'Angelo Russell. With the Magic, who is their best player? Is it right? That's what I'm saying. They had a bunch of young players that kind of needed to form a bond, and some players step up in their own ways. But right. there is no star player there. It's just going to be if, as a unit they can fight enough to get in as a seven or eight seed. And lose in the first round, you know. Right, right. Yeah, so I mean, I'll go with the Nets. Uh, you can go with the Magic, but again, I don't think either of them are going. Yeah, to you think I mean, you I'm, think the Magic will, or I, I think they could slip in as a seven or eight seed. I wouldn't be surprised, but okay. I'm not going to put my money down for either of these two teams yeah. ever. Yeah, I'd still be surprised if either of them do. Um, so, all right, let's move on to the last part of our overreaction or not an overreaction. So, the Clippers are currently undefeated in the West. Is it an overreaction to think that the Clippers are going to be a top three seed in the West at the end of the year? No, not at all. Wow. Uh, and, I, and I think that because I think they're going to be the three seed. Not, they're not going to be the one, not going to be the two. But I really think they're going to be the three seed after seeing how they come out. Uh, I really, I'm the one that was a little more confident with the Clippers on the fact that they still have Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. I think they've got better trading Chris Paul and getting all those pieces back as long as Lou Williams and some of the other pieces that they got in there play the way I think they are. Patrick Beverly's came out and played defense the way he always has. There's no defensive presence missed. Now Danilo Bellinari's playing all this stuff. I really like that team. And they're very good. Milo Teodosis, I know he's was fighting with an injury, but when he started playing in the first couple of games just like i said he's one of the most exciting passers in the nba right now already and that's with such a small sample size but this dude is flinging the ball like lonzo ball does but differently in a european style and was so finesse and his ball handling was a kind of a different level for me and i know that him and pat beverly were teammates back in uh international play and he said he's might be the best. He is the best passer in the NBA right now. Before he even stepped on an NBA court, uh, Pat Beverly said that about Teodosic. So I really like their point guard play. Austin Rivers is still there. I'm not a huge fan, but uh, he's okay if he's considered your third point guard. Yeah, I don't know. I really like that team. I think they're very good and very, very, very underrated. But I wouldn't be surprised if they fell to like a fourth or a fifth seed. But I really hope that they can keep this up and stick to around the three seed. But we're kind of behind the Warriors. Hopefully the Thunder uh, was slipping down. There's the as But it's always going to be a fight with the Spurs, too. So it's just kind of a toss-up for the three seed. So do you think that they will be the three seed or won't? Like if you had to choose? They will. I would say that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and just and just because I think the Spurs are going to hit the two seed, and as much as I love the Thunder, I realistically think they're going to end up like the four seed. Okay. Um, I don't think that the Clippers are going to be anywhere near the three seed, and I think they have a they've had a great start to the season. They played the Lakers, who I don't think anyone. Why, why thinks... don't you think they're going to do well though? Seeing that they just, almost got better after Chris Paul, they did not get better. There's. 
the ball movement. So, There's I more. Know, I know. I know they're missing a big piece with Chris Paul, who's injured right now, which seems yeah, almost yeah. ironic. Um, but they got a lot of pieces in return, and when signed Milo Gallinari, and they're all playing well together. And Milo Milo's tell Teodosic. I, I just yeah. So they have <laughs> they have a lot of talent still. I will give you that, but. They don't have. I'd still rather want Chris Paul than the pieces I got back, plus the Neil Gallinari. Also, the injury history with Blake Griffin and Gallinari has had injury history. I just, I think both of them will miss some time at some point during the year. Um, if you look at the last few seasons, that's just how it's gone for both of them. Yeah, that's not that's not too far fetched. Yeah, and then on top of that, even if they were to stay healthy, I don't think that there's obviously any way that they have a better record than the Warriors. I don't think that no. they have a better record than the Spurs. Yeah, no. I don't think the that they have as good of a record as the Thunder, the Rockets. Timberwolves are going to have a better record than them. The Timberwolves have more talent than the Clippers. If both teams are completely healthy, I'll take the Timberwolves for this year. Obviously, I'd take the Timberwolves going forward, but just for this year, I'll still take Timberwolves over the Clippers any day. Ooh, yeah, I don't know. We're, we're a little bit in disagreement. But yeah, just like I said, I'm not putting my money down on the Clippers being this good, just like I'm not going to put the money down on the Warriors. I mean, on the uh, Magic and the Nets, there's clearly it's kind of a, a stretch. I'm just saying it wouldn't. It's not crazy to me seeing that they've came out exactly how I was hoping and expecting that they would. Not undefeated, of course, but the way that they're playing together and Blake Griffin taking leadership on this team and everyone else kind of stepping up. I really like it and think if they can keep this and just like you said, stay healthy. They got something really good going there, but if, of course, they're injury-ridden and Blake Griffin's out for more than, you know, a month, then they're done. They're gonna fall to a six seed. Yeah, be well, lucky. I, I didn't even have them making the playoffs in my predictions. I think <laughs> they were nine seeds, so just outside. Maybe they'll flip okay. that with the. I had the Pelicans uh, as the eight seed. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to just wait and see. Uh, speaking yeah. of the Pelicans, I know Anthony Davis is returning tonight. Yeah, after yeah, missing so a couple games, so just wanted to mention that. Yeah, good to see that he uh, avoided a serious knee injury. He's had injury history throughout his entire career, so glad we're not getting off to the wrong foot with him this quickly into the season. Um, let's move on to the Eric Bledsoe rumors. So, for anyone who's been living under a rock for the past week, Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> Sent out a tweet. Um, I think it was it's like, right it's at, like high school, dude. Yeah, <laughs> he sent out a tweet. I don't, don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, he sent out a tweet after um, Earl Watson was fired, the Suns' head coach. Who that in and of itself is pretty big news. We mentioned on one of our previous podcasts how there hadn't been a coach fired in over a year. We were wondering how long it would there take for is. someone to get fired. There it is. Six days into the season, Earl Watson's fired as the head coach of the Suns. That was really surprising to me. I didn't think that anyone would be fired that quickly, and I thought if someone would, I I didn't think it would be Earl Watson. I thought, hey, under would. under their new coach, they're two and zero and playing a lot better. So, <laughs> okay, still, I just... <laughs> but yeah, no, still, it's a big surprise, and I did not expect to see a coach get fired within yeah. six games. Yeah. Six days, not even six games. Six yeah, days in the regular season. But anyways, so after Earl Watson was fired, Eric Bledsoe went on Twitter and just tweeted, I don't want to be here. The Suns ended up having a meeting with him, their front office, and decided to keep him away from the rest of the team and that they would look for a trade for him. Eric Bledsoe claims that 
he was not talking about how he didn't want to be a member of the Phoenix Suns and how he just him saying I don't want to be here was in reference to a hair salon that he was with with his wife at that time. Uh, the Suns they said they flat out just didn't believe him. I don't believe well, him either. That sounds like a lie. What that uh, the he, hair salon? Yeah, that sounds like a, it sounds like a cover up. You a hundred percent tweeted. I don't want to be here. You're working out with LeBron James in the off season. You're going around. He, there's been rumors that he's been getting traded or in trade talks since long before the season ended last year. So this is nothing new. And he clearly doesn't want to be in Phoenix. He has said that he, I, I've seen him quoted about the young talent. I've seen him quoted about his disappointed. Uh, I've seen him just flip flopping all the way around. And with Earl Watson getting uh, fired, you go and tweet immediately. I don't want to be here. And it blows up, and everyone and their mothers are retweeting that tweet. It's going everywhere, and it goes immediately to the Suns. It couldn't have been worse timing. So I know that he's not a stupid person. Uh, I would hope so. And you're not, you know, you should be able to tell right there that you shouldn't tweet anything along those lines when the only thing that anyone's cared about the Phoenix Suns has just happened. Clearly, their uh, coach got fired. No one else cares about anything else, considering they got off to an abysmal start like everyone expected. They're young players, but they have one of the youngest rosters in the league. It's going to take them a year or two to gel or to get a star there to build around. But still, it's the coach gets fired. No one cares about you, Eric Bledsoe. And you finally tweet right there. I don't want to be here. Now you're the, you know, now the spotlight's on you. That's called media. That's called him taking advantage of a situation. And then he made himself look like an idiot by saying, oh, no, no, that wasn't about that. I'm at a hair salon with my wife. You'd be a man and just admit, yeah, no, that tweet was about that. Probably wasn't the best timing. It probably wasn't the best contents. But no, I don't want to be there. I, I'm not happy. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Look how the Kyrie Irving not being happy thing worked out worked out just fine clearly people are going to disagree with you but it's i think it looks stupider to have some hair salon scandal on a tweet i think this just looks completely you know absurd to even be caring about the Suns and their players anyways and eric bledsoe's washed up and he's i think he's nothing more than a backup point guard now oh, so i don't agree with that i think he's still yeah He's still no. I didn't. I didn't say not effective, but he's in the Derrick Rose range for me right now. Where I, I expect a lot from him off the bench, I, and I wouldn't want. If I see Eric Bledsoe in a starting five, I'm not confident in starting five. I I still think that you can be a successful team with Eric Bledsoe in your starting five. I'd much rather want Eric Bledsoe than Derrick Rose on my team. Well, I mean, I, me too. If Derrick Rose was my starting point guard, but if he's my, if you're talking six man, seventh man here, just like Derrick Rose is playing uh, with a healthy Isaiah Thomas. And I agree too. But if you're talking about starting point guard, I wouldn't want Derrick Rose as my starting point guard either. Well, I'd want Bledsoe over Rose, whether it's a starting point guard or a backup point guard. But I think Eric Bledsoe is still starting caliber point guard. Um, I'd be confident with the team. Obviously, it depends what the pieces are around him. Bledsoe can't be the best team, best player on your team, and be successful. He can't, but he, can't, he can't be the second or third best player on your team. No, probably not. But you can still be a successful team with a point guard who it's. Typically, a point guard is going to be one of your three best players, but you can still be a successful team without um, an incredible point guard. I mean, 
even I know Isaiah Thomas when he comes back will be probably top three player on the Cavs, but right now um, they have. I mean, Rose is down with his injury, and right now they have LeBron starting. But if Rose was their starting point guard, he'd still be a really good team. Um, but anyways, the question I want to ask is: so there's been some rumors about Eric Bledsoe possibly being traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Suns are reportedly they don't want to do a trade unless they get Malcolm Brogdon back. Yeah, that was the initial report. Yeah, and I read something else after that. Now that they aren't. That the Suns aren't as interested in three-year deals as Brogdon's deal, even though he's making about one and a half million dollars a year, which is absolutely nothing. So I'm confused. I, I'm, I know we should talk about this now because I'm a little confused why the Suns would reportedly not have interest now when I would take Brogdon for Bledsoe any day, especially considering the contracts. Yeah, I think I'd take Brogdon for Bledsoe. Or Bledsoe for Brogdon, if I'm the Bucks, no question. Pull that trigger Straight right around the deal. Yeah. yeah, and if I'm the Suns, I don't understand. I get if you don't want to take long contracts, maybe you're trying to preserve your cap room in hopes that maybe they think they can get LeBron James somehow or someone else. But Malcolm Brogdon's making, like you said, one, one and a half million dollars per year. If you need to trade him, there are going to be takers out there. You can flip him probably for either a late first-round pick or an early second-round pick if you need to. Why would you not Why would you not want to do that trade? Because otherwise you can just keep Brogdon in his very manageable contract and let him grow with the rest of your young core. That's what you do. Yeah, yeah. So I don't understand the hesitation on the Suns' part. I know they're also trying to maybe couple... Tyson Chandler with Eric Bledsoe in any deal. That's going to make it harder. Yeah. No, that makes it much harder because then Tyson Chandler, I don't know what his exact salary is, but I believe it's around like 15 or $16 million. So that makes it a lot tougher to find a trade partner that's going to be able to shell out $28, 30000000 million worth of salary because of Bledsoe's contract as well. Um, so, yeah, that definitely makes it a lot tougher. Um, but do you think that at the end of the day, first of all, how long do you think until Bledsoe does get traded? I think it's got to be quickly. I don't like when stuff like this happens and then it goes another you know month without them getting traded. It's a little awkward. Kind of yeah. what happened with the Kyrie trade. Um, it just was cool again with LeBron and Kyrie by the time he actually did get traded and he put out that post, nothing but respect for the kid and all this different stuff. But right when it happened, this was a huge deal and they hated each other or whatever the rumors were. And this was the Cavs entire team in front office was falling apart. By the time he got traded, the Cavs were almost in a better spot than they were to begin with. So it took that long. I really hope it doesn't take that long. This clearly isn't the same kind of caliber drama. Yeah. But still, uh, I really hope they can just make the man happy. Let him go play somewhere you believe he can go be a starting point guard somewhere. That's not too far-fetched. I believe he can be you know, a very good piece off the bench. Like a very good... I, I love Derrick Rose coming off the bench in Cleveland. I think he can put up 18 and those kind of numbers and really be a positive, be the leader of that second unit. Kind of like Jordan Clarkson's doing right now for the Lakers. That's where I see him fitting in. But 
either way, he's done in Phoenix. He's just lost there. There's no future for him there. He knows that. They know that. Fix the problem. Get him out of there and get whatever you can in return, considering you're all about developing your young core and building what you have there and not you know, unloading all of your assets. You're looking to build. You might as well get rid of Bledsoe, who is a veteran and doesn't want to be there and still is making a decent amount of money. Get him back for a good return. If you can unload Tyson Chandler, you do that immediately because he, he's aged as well and he's making way too much money for the production that he's putting up. But no one's going to want him. But I really hope it happens within a week or two tops and they can get something decent in return for him to where it seems like a fair trade and just a better situation for everybody. Yeah, I think the trade needs to happen very quickly. I, yes. It shouldn't even take a week. And the Suns, yeah, it's you can kind of compare it to the Kyrie drama and him requesting a trade and how you look at how it took a month. But the difference is that that was during the off season, So the Suns, where they made a big mistake, was basically kicking Eric Bledsoe off the team and not wanting him anywhere near the rest of the team. What they should have been telling him is, okay, we understand you want to get traded, but until you get traded, you need to just shut up and keep playing for us because... Well, yeah, you're a member of the Phoenix Suns until otherwise. Yeah, well, his value just decreases so much when he's not playing at all, and so teams see that and see, okay, well, there's no fixing this in Phoenix, so we can get him for even cheaper than we would be able to anyways. So that they definitely hurt his value by doing that, and now you just got to get rid of him as quickly as possible. So, totally agree. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the other somewhat trade rumors with Jaleel Okafor. So there's been some rumors that the Sixers have been working with Okafor's agent to try to find a team that would be basically just any team that would be willing to take on Okafor. Do you see him being traded at some point this year? I know when we talked about this last time and you asked if Jaleel Okafor was going to be traded this year whenever we were doing our predictions. I believe I said no. I believe I said he was going to stay on the team just because I thought they were going to actually mesh very well together and he would kind of just be on the bench and be a decent part. I just thought it wasn't going to be a big deal. He was just kind of going to stay there and float there and not make any difference. But clearly now they're not getting off to the start that they wanted to and he's still not producing in Philadelphia and he's still not a good fit at all. I don't even think he's a good fit for today's NBA, but that's just me. But someone will take him on. Someone will, you know, with a little bit of weaker roster at that position. Uh, they have so many big men down in uh, Philadelphia. It doesn't matter if they're good or not. They have way too many big men. And we wasted way too many draft picks on big men. So now at this point, until Elgafor has just faded out, he needs to be in a new environment to at least get a shot to be a decent rotational player and provide off the bench. I feel like I haven't even heard his name for a while except for rumors about him being traded. Yeah, I think on the uh, preview show where we made our predictions, I believe I said he was going to be traded at some point you did. during you the did. year. Yeah, and... I agree with you that there isn't much room in today's NBA for someone like Jaleel Okafor. He can't stretch the floor at all. He's a back-to-the-basket type player. I did hear a quote yesterday from Grayson Allen at Duke saying that Jaleel Okafor was the most dominant player he's ever played with, and Marvin Bagley is the most impressive. And 
just hearing Jaleel Okafor and the word dominate in the same sentence just brought me back to how he was in college and got me a little confused for a second what happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in college, he had a really nice year. You could kind of see by the end of the year, especially that game when he had to go guard Frank Kaminsky in the tournament against Wisconsin, where he just could not move quick enough to stay up with Kaminsky, who isn't even that fast himself. Not yes, he can fast. stretch the floor, but he's not athletic, and he's not that Kaminsky's great. Kaminsky's not having a bad year this year, by the way. Yeah, well, he's having a better year than Okafor. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, I think definitely. that I think that there will definitely be a team that will bite on Okafor, a team with a team that's not really in playoff contention, but thinks, okay, this is another young player. Just two years ago, he was thought of as one of the best young players coming into the draft. I think that the Bulls make sense in that regard. Yeah, um, someone like someone like the Bulls or the Pacers, just kind yeah, of willing to, willing to take a shot. I think the Bulls definitely a lot more than the Pacers because you have Miles Turner in Indiana right. and, and Sabonis already, and yeah, all those players yeah. that well, are already contributing. To them. Just Miles Turner alone, I think, makes them a bad fit there because I don't see any way where they can share the court. But the Bulls don't have a young center with any real promise to him. I think there might be a situation where I don't think that the Sixers would be too interested in taking on Nikola Mirotic. I don't think just because they have Saric and Ben Simmons, maybe, um, obviously a good move considering the problems with the Chicago Bulls with him and Bobby Portis getting in that fight, of course, and then being sent to the hospital. That would might be a good culture change to get him out of there and get a good center in return to share the floor with Bobby Portis, who does have promise. Yeah, well... Then Denzel, Valentine, all these players. Like, I know that the Bulls really aren't very good, but they do have some young talent on there that if they had the right players there, could shine, but they really are getting asked to do so much more than they could. Yeah, well, I know Miritich recently said that he has a um, a uh, no-trade clause in his contract and he said he'd be willing to move it pretty much if he could just be traded anywhere he doesn't want yeah it. i mean when you, when you get clocked in the face yeah. and you get hospitalized because of one of your one of your teammates and he's clearly a younger player Miritich is a little older and i don't see him fitting in with the bulls young culture right now if i'm going to be honest here clearly he you know got put in his place a little bit probably got taken a little too far but i'd want to get out of there too if i was him yeah, so I could see maybe a trade just directly between the Sixers and Bulls involving Miritich. I think the Sixers, they'd have to give up more than just Okafor to get him. Oh, uh, 100%. Otherwise, maybe there's a three-team trade out there where the Bulls get Okafor, Miritich goes yeah. to some other team, and then maybe maybe if the Sixers are lucky, they're able to snag like a second-round pick second for Okafor. Pick. But yeah, I don't hopefully. even know if that makes sense for... Yeah, I don't, I don't think... I think the Sixers are going to be whiffing for a large part of this year, and this is going to be something that takes a yeah. while, unless they just take the first deal that comes their way. Yeah, but eventually he'll he'll be traded. So really quickly, though, because we just brought up the Bobby Portis thing, let's just spend like a minute or two on this, but that is just so ridiculous of Bobby Portis to be punching a teammate in the face. I don't care what happens in practice. Absolutely. What, what, Absolutely what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're punching your teammate in the face, this is someone who is supposed to be a brother to you. Anyone on your team, for as long as I played basketball, every one of my teammates, 
we're supposed to think of each other as brothers and have each other's back, not punch each well, other yeah, in I the mean, face during practice. Yeah, considering Corbin and I did play together in high school as well, I know exactly how that is, and I know I was a little bit of a chippy player. I, I got a little bit of, I got a little technical problem. <laughs> I I was fun to watch, but there was never, especially with my teammates, that would never like. I don't even know what's going through his mind. That's immediately you're kicked off the team or something like you just can't be here like that's how it would be for in my mind any basketball team no culture is good if there's a player punching someone else for any reason at practice maybe if this was at a nightclub or something like that and something popped off maybe this would be a little bit more of a conversation still still would be stupid since you guys are teammates and would cause media attention to an already bad situation. But, yeah, on the practice court, that also shows the kind of uh, control that the coaches, coaching staff has there, too, in my opinion. Yeah, there's just no excuse. And Bobby Portis, as a fan of the Lakers, I would never want him anywhere near the Lakers. I don't think really any front office would want any player like that in their organization, even, no matter how good they are. Like, yeah. It's not a player like that. It's a type of person. Yeah, yeah, and so just it was disgraceful to see that. Um, yeah, I just yeah, I don't want to. We're, we're moving away from yeah. the thug basketball that we used to play back in the day. We're yeah, moving that away was, from these times. That and, was on players you played. That was on players you played against, not players on your own team. I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. There, yeah. there aren't problems like this that are supposed to happen, and if they do, you're gone. That's yeah. how it should be. At this point, it's not like that. We're talking about the fact that Mirovich. Uh, sorry, Nicola might actually like be happy to be traded. This should be the opposite. Bobby Porter should be getting shipped off anywhere, or getting released, or getting sent to the G League. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I think, I, yeah, honestly, I think that would be the best move. That's why you have the G League, or it used to be the <laughs> D League, to develop players. It doesn't matter if they might be court ready. You're the Chicago Bulls, and you're not going to win any games, anyways. Why would you keep that kind of person there if they go and need to develop their? maturity if you know they need yeah. to go mature themselves if that's the case they need to pull a Cameron Payne like they did last year and kept keep them in the G League the whole year so yeah I it's agree. just I don't I don't know it's 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 not there's no excuse for this I agree so let's move on to our biggest surprises through the NBA season so far so uh Perry I'll let you start with yours first it's your biggest surprise Ben okay uh my biggest surprise last time we did a podcast i know you mentioned deandre jordan was going to lead the league in rebounds so far so good for your prediction yeah. but the one surprise that i'm saying is that he's averaging 18.3 rebounds a game you didn't predict that i didn't predict yeah. that no one's predicted that and another surprise right behind him at number two dwight howard at 17.8 so i'm really happy to see dwight howard getting up decent start finding some sort of role on a good team or on a new team and to see them both topping above 17 18 rebounds a game that's insane so that's my surprise to start off i expected deandre jordan to be first or second but it doesn't matter what place he's in the fact that there's 18 and 17 as the leading off the bat is very surprising for me and these guys are all over it yeah, I didn't think that DeAndre Jordan would be anywhere close to 18. And then Dwight Howard just came out of nowhere with his 17. I mean, he was a great rebounder. Yeah, he, uh, he's he averaging about 13 points, too, so that's a respectable yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, so he's off to a good start. Uh, my biggest surprise is 
are one team from each of the conferences. So we mentioned the Magic at four and one to start the year, and then the Grizzlies are also four and one. I didn't have either of those in my playoffs playoff preview for my predictions, and I still don't. But um, yeah, it's just uh, they've both gone off to a really good start. The Magic, like you mentioned, they had that really good game from Vucevic where he had over forty points. Um, the Grizzlies. I just feel like they just don't have much there other than Mike Conley and Mark Gasol. And we'll get into talking about Mike Conley a little bit more um, in a few minutes. But, um, yeah, that's been a big surprise for me. I didn't think that either of them would get off to nearly as good of a start as they have. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, all right, let's move on to the biggest disappointment now through the first week or two. Uh, What is your biggest disappointment, Perry? It's the Philadelphia 76ers. I... I wasn't on high, as high on the team as some people might have been, but I still respect their process and the players that they brought in there, especially with the signing of J.J. Redick, Amir Johnson as to bring in for their role uh, as a role player. Uh, Coach Brown, I really liked what they have going here, and it seemed like this was just the, the year with such a weak Eastern Conference, and to see them coming out winning one game so far, it's really disappointing. They're way at the bottom of the standings where they usually are. It seems like no surprise to anyone considering how the 76ers are, but it is to me considering how much expectation that they had this year. They need to turn it around. Uh, of course, credit to Ben Simmons, who has played fantastic. He's going to be the rookie of the year, just like me and you yeah. have predicted last time we had a podcast. Uh, if not, lots of balls haven't. On the stat, he's almost averaging a triple-double. Of course, his his field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and a free-throw percentage need to improve drastically. But Ben Simmons has really played how we were hoping he would, and he's exciting to watch. Uh, Joel Embiid still looks good this year. But something's just off there, and they're not playing the way they need to be playing. And J.J. Redick needs to be taking far more of a leadership role with this team, being the oldest player in that locker room. Uh, obviously, it's a small sample size. I just expected them to come out shooting, so I really hope that they can turn this around and fight back to 500, at least get into you know, playoff contention right now at the bottom of the standings. It's not a place you want to start. Yeah, I think to be fair to them, they've had kind of a rough schedule to start. They played the Celtics, the Wizards, the Raptors, um, but still, one win um, through their first five or six games. I mean, yeah, those are, the, those are the good teams in the league. If you can't beat the good teams, you're still not a good team. That's kind of... Yeah, well, we're not... Yeah, I, don't, I don't think either one of us thought that they would be at that level any time right, during this year. Right. Um, and they've been competitive with the Celtics and the Wizards. I think they got blown out by the Raptors. Um, ben Simmons has been really impressive. Just sticking with the Sixers, this isn't my biggest disappointment, although it could be. Uh, Markel Fultz just has done pretty much yeah. nothing. His, his shooting form just, it looks so good at Washington, and then I know he's had problems with his shoulder, um, but he's just completely adjusted it. it just yeah, looks he's, fighting, he's fighting an injury right now, too, which is no surprise for 76ers first-round picks, <laughs> considering yeah. how all yeah. of the last few years have gone, so it seems almost ridiculous at this point. Yeah, so he's definitely been a disappointment. My biggest disappointment, um, sticking, going with the Lakers, uh, Brandon Ingram is averaging 14 points a game, but still shooting around 40%. There's been some flashes of, um, he had a game against the Suns, he had his career high, I think it was 24, 26 points. Against the Wizards, he made the basket to send it into overtime, and it was off of a tip, off of his missed 
shot. Um, but I don't know. He just magic. Some of it might have been Magic Johnson's quote about how he's got to average twenty a game, or else it's going to be a disappointment. Well, yeah, everyone not, thought he grew two inches this offseason. Yeah. All signs point, and he looks very good. Like he's been working out all offseason, so yeah, it looked yeah. like he was about to come out like the bull of this team. But something's he's still needs another year maybe yeah and he is only 20 years old so it might just take some time for him to develop um especially given his body type and how yeah he's put on some weight definitely looks stronger but there was just such a big gap between him um where he was last year and where he needed to be physically that although he's closed the gap he's still gonna need to work more on that other than that lonzo ball He's looked good as a leader, getting rebounds, he's getting assists, turnovers are a little high for him, but his shooting percentage, he's shooting just over 30% from the field, 23% on threes, 55% from the free throw line. He's your point guard, he's the one you're going to have the ball in his hands more than any other player on your team. He's got to be able to make shots, and his threes that he's missing, I mean, most of them, they're open, whether it's off the dribble coming off of a screen, the defender goes underneath the screen and then he spots up and just misses or wide open shots because his defender just does not stick near him because they're daring him to shoot outside. And he's showing that they're smart to do that. He just can't make them right now. Um, I know it's very early and overall I've been relatively happy with what I've seen from Lonzo Ball, just the way he can galvanize the team and get them to play hard for the most part while he's playing. Um, but yeah, the shooting percentage is definitely something that needs to pick up. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for us Laker fans, it's not starting the way that we want to with the two of them, but it's also not been disappointing. They are two and three, are right around the eight seed. They're kind yeah. of tied for it. So yeah, they've, been, it's, they've, they've been competitive so far. It's so. been fun to watch. I like how Kuzma plays. Uh, Came. He's got his first double double. Yeah, Kuzma's uh, last good. game. So Kuzma's looked good. Uh, that could be another surprise for sure. I think we anticip- I know, I, we anticipated I, I he'd, we anticipated he'd play well, but he's been um, he's been doing really well for the Lakers. He's playing more. I minutes. think he was on he was on my one of my All NBA. Uh, think, all rookie teams. I believe he might have been on one of yours too. I think he was on your All NBA first team and my All NBA second team. So we'll yeah. see where that goes. But yeah, I thought uh, it would take him a while to get a lot of minutes in the rotation. But so far, he's been playing more minutes per game than Larry Nance or Julius Randle. Yeah, or Julius Randle. And Larry Nance, by the way, has looked very good this year as well. Yeah, he had a underwhelming preseason, but he's looked good in the regular season. And Julius yeah. Randle, his first few games. He struggled, but the last few, he's looked really good, too. Yeah, and I know me and you were talking on that one night that he was playing down the stretch. I read a report literally the day before talking. I know it wasn't from any of my trusted sources why we didn't tweet anything at NBA Unwrapped or really me and Corbin have a serious conversation. This was because I wasn't really sure, but uh, I did read that they were thinking about kind of fading him out of the rotation. They were kind of fading him out of the rotation, Coach Walton. But, and that game that me, I texted you about, he only logged in 19 minutes when there was a couple minutes left in the game. So it's not like he is playing very much, even though he played down the stretch, played well, and I read a quote from Coach Walton saying that we wouldn't have won this game without Julius Randle. So that was kind of a bad night for me to text you, because... <laughs> 
<laughs> kind of proved things wrong a little bit. But he only logged in 19, 20 minutes that game anyways. Completely healthy, completely available, not in foul trouble. So something's off there. Something was totally off before that. And maybe something helped him just with how he played at the end of that game. Might have translated to why we haven't seen anything pop up now and why things are still in neutral. But there was something that I read. And it did look like it with the amount of minutes that he's been playing. Yeah, I mean, part of why the 19 minutes, yeah, it might sound low, but when he's not starting, you got Larry Nance starting, and you have to find time for Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, you're, you're already not starting, though. That's the thing. The yeah. fact that Larry Nance has taken over your spot, and you're not the first big man every time to come off the bench. You have a rookie that's coming in that could outplay you every single night and can stretch the floor and is a has you know very good ball handling, very good vision. We're not going to discredit Julius Randle, who is very good for his size with handling the ball and with passing the ball. But Kuzma is a special talent, and he did spend four years in college. I believe he's twenty-two. Uh, three, he is a, three, three years in college. Three years yeah. in college. Yeah, he he still spent three years in college. He is more seasoned than a lot of these rookies that are coming in that are picked on upside and picked on the fact that they're going to get developed. And by the time they reach Kyle Kuzma's age, they're going to be at the level that they expect them to be. But Kyle Kuzma's coming in here, and there isn't the same developmental process with him. He's more game-ready. So that's more of a threat to Randall also. And just like we said with having trying to get Max free agents into Los Angeles this coming offseason, getting rid of Julius Randall as tough as it might be is almost inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with that. So, if you want to make something happen, there's there's not really a lot of room for. It. Yeah, let's move on to um, another one of the polls we had on Twitter um, a few days ago. So the Spurs were playing the Miami Heat. Um, I believe it was sometime earlier in the week, and uh, there was just a fun stat I saw that Gordon Drog- Goran Dragic was originally drafted by the San Antonio Spurs with the 45th pick in the 2008 draft. So. I asked on Twitter if the Spurs had Drogic in, on their team during the 2013 NBA Finals. That was when they lost the Heat in seven games. Ray Allen had that big three at the end of regulation in game six to send it into overtime. Yeah, I can't so, forget that. Yeah, in the 2013 Finals, if the Drogic, if the Spurs had Goran Drogic, would the Spurs beat the Heat and win the championships? There were 26 votes for that. 62% said yes, 38% said no. What do you think, Perry? Do you agree with our Twitter followers? I do agree. I think, yes. Um, the Spurs almost should have won that finals series anyways. So any sort of talent that would have been on that roster, any little bolster above them would have been enough to me. The Heat, it was just Ray Allen with that shot, and it was so clutch, and it was the year that at the end it just seemed like they had you know this thing about their team to where something was going to happen. But with how Pop coaches the Spurs and with Trojic on that team, he would be twice the player that he is right now, in my opinion. I think that would have been a scary, scary team. And definitely I think they would have beaten the Heat in about five games, maybe yeah. six. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'd say... Yeah, I'd say they'd beat the Heat in five games because they yeah. almost, almost it's, beat them in six games without it. This is it. a Popovich team. It doesn't matter who's on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah, and uh, I think Drogic probably would have been the starting two guard. Danny Green 
was the two guard, he probably would have moved off the bench. So then he got a starting lineup of Tony Parker, uh, Goran Dragic, Kawhi Leonard, um, Tim Duncan, and they think Tiago Splitter was their starting center, if I remember correctly. But that's a good lineup. Kawhi Leonard would have been improved. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard obviously wasn't nearly the player he is today. Um, but with Popovich coaching the team, he just can plug anyone into his system and make them much better than they would be on pretty much any other team. Um, totally. Yeah, so, all right, let's move on to our last topic for this podcast. So, um, I forgot, oh yeah, we had uh, mentioned on Twitter um, ranking our top five point guards. So, I went on to our Twitter feed and tweeted what my top five point guards were. So I had, no, I, I think uh, no, this, is what, this is how the sequence of events happened. We oh, yeah, yeah. were in a bit of a disagreement, or you definitely didn't think that John Wall was a top five point guard, but you didn't say it that way. Oh, no, no, no. Said, you're not he's, sure he's a top you're five. Not, yeah, you said you weren't sure if he would even be the best in his conference, which could definitely be a debate all day with Kyrie Irving on the so, Celtics. I said not even so, I said not even his division. So Yeah, okay, not even his division, whatever you did say. And then one of our followers, uh, and one of our friends, his uh, ad name is McGowan seventy five, he tweeted at our Twitter page okay, we'll list your top five point guards. And you went about it listing your top five point guards then. And after you're listing your top five, we had a certain follower that I actually don't even think he follows us. (laughs) This, uh, just a certain Twitter troll that saw our kind of our post and went off. I've never seen someone get so (laughs) amped up about, such a subject as Mike Conley. I swear we have 15, 20 mentions from this kid just going off. We responded to a few of them. Kid was all over the place. <laughs> Not sure what he's talking about. Um, has this huge inflated confidence in Mike Conley and this. He has no con. He's completely written off Chris Paul as an elite point guard <laughs> yeah. at all. So, not sure if he knows what he's talking about or if he just enjoyed getting a ride out of us. But we, he really sent us way too many mentions. But it's all good. We appreciate the enthusiasm. We appreciate any kind of basketball conversation debate, and we appreciate schooling up. Uh, you know, someone that might be a little confused sometimes on a Mike Conley subject, so I'm glad you're able to brush it up so you can continue on a little more of the details of the story, but that was the premise. Yeah, yeah. so it started out, Paul Pierce said on NBA Countdown or whatever the show's called on ESPN um, before a Wizards game that John Wall was the best point guard in the NBA. Um, and then, yeah, I said he might not even be the best point guard in his division, so my top five point guards in order were Russell Westbrook, number one, Stephen Curry, number two, Chris Paul, three, Kyrie Irving, four, and John Wall, five. And the um, Twitter Twitter follower, if he does follow us, that you mentioned, um, he was basically saying that I was wrong and that I should have Lon- or that I should have Mike Conley in my top five and Chris Paul should be nowhere near my top five. He was saying that Chris Paul was... Uh, washed up and too old, and uh, he's always getting injured. And look at his stats from this year. Well, his stats from this year, he's played one game and he hurt his knee in that game. He didn't even get to finish it. He has, he had four points, eight rebounds. I don't know how many assists. 
and uh, he's saying Mike Conley's having a better year this year. Well, yeah. And to, uh, to give him, an, uh, instead of him, give him a name. Yeah, Bengal Tiger. His name is Bengal, B-E-N-G-A-L, Valley. And his username is Bengal Tiger. So Bengal Valley, Bengal Tiger, whatever you want to call him. That is who we are referring to. And it's very, <laughs> very, very amped up on Conley. I know he... One thing he did say was that, oh, yeah, he's the kind of player that can just go and drop 50 every yes. single night or on any given night, kind of like he Kyrie. Said, he said off, easily. He said easily drop 50, not just yeah, drop easily, 50. easily, just any given night, whenever he wants to, he can just fling up 50 points like it's nothing. And I remember, I don't remember exactly what he said I'm looking for right now. but you, <laughs> Yeah, it was basically, I looked up Mike Conley's, um, career high. I knew he had never scored 50 in a game. I didn't realize it was as low as 38, but I basically just said, then why is his career high 38? He's played 710 games. And he's never gotten closer than within 12 points of 50. Um, and uh, yeah, he basically said, oh, well, it doesn't matter. He can definitely get 50 whenever he wants. Um, you're telling me that Ka- Kawhi Leonard's never dropped 50. You're telling me he can't get 50? Kawhi Leonard, yeah, I think he'll... two completely different players here, yeah. so I don't know how that's relevant at all. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard averages like 25 points a game, Mike Conley around like 18 a game. Seven points and, might and not... And honestly, with Mike Conley, that's he had his best season last year. I, he's a 10-year veteran, and last year was the first time he even hit 20 points a game. Before that, his best was 17 points a game in 2013. Other than that, he's floated around 12 to 15 points his entire career, and you're going to call that as he can easily drop 50 on any given night. I know he's an improved player, and just like I said on my personal Twitter when I took, he said something to me, and I responded as <laughs> I have, I, you know, I trust me, I don't write off Mike Conley. I think he's the ninth or tenth best point guard in the league, where he's deserved to be, especially with his improvements that he's made in his progression. Yes, last year he averaged twenty points a game. He averaged six steal, uh, sorry, six assists, six point three, I believe it was. Uh, and that's pretty much where he's been at his entire career. Four, five, six assists. He's a 15-point player, six assists player, and that's extremely respectable on any team. And now he's stepped it up, especially with you know Randolph leaving that team, Vince Carter, a lot of pieces, and them going younger. He's got a role now that he's forced to step up. So, yeah, I do expect him to average 20 points a game. He's averaging 19.4 this year. Last year it was 20.5. Nothing spectacular in regards to his scoring, which isn't even his best attribute. I think he's an amazing leader on that team. I like his defensive ability, and his vision is great when it comes to finding the guy that's cutting, but he still doesn't put up near... 10 assists, nothing around 25 points a game, and he's put up 38, you said, was his career high, so he can't drop 50 on any given night, and no, he's definitely not a top 5 point guard, but I I can say that he's the ninth or 10th best point guard in the league right now, and I think you can maybe agree around there. Yeah, so you bring up the stats, obviously stats don't tell the whole story with every player. Right. I was not trying to disrespect Mike Conley in any way. He is... A really good player. And well, Mike Conley was never brought up in any way. Yeah, yeah, so he, yeah. Mike Conley, he brought up Mike Conley out of nowhere. We're, we're talking about uh, Chris Paul and the fact that we still think he's a top five point guard and he's elite and should not be written off at this point due to his defense, leadership, 
and everything that Chris Paul brings, even though he's dealing with with an injury right now, he's still elite and he still brings a different kind of presence to the game. But he brought Conley out of nowhere. So I know that you weren't you weren't going at Conley yeah. in any way. You just <laughs> didn't put him in the top five, which is understandable he's not a top five player. yes thank you um yeah so i asked our twitter followers i had a poll um asking them where they'd rank chris paul either top three top five top ten or outside the top ten so um 16 percent said top three which is i had him at number three in mine 47 percent said top five so okay maybe he's fourth or fifth um, i think he's yeah fourth or fifth okay so yeah you, you can debate between him Kyrie, and john wall john wall um, yeah and then 32% said top 10. 5% said outside the top 10. We had 19 votes, so that's one vote. I'm pretty sure we know who voted outside the top 10. That was that <laughs> Bangle Tiger guy. Um, yeah, Bangle, Bangle Valley. Yeah, and then uh, I asked, where would you rank Mike Conley in terms of point guards in the NBA? Top 5, top 10, top 15, or not top 15? So the winner was top 10, 43%. Surprisingly, 21% had top five, 21% had top 15, and 15% had not top 15. So if anyone's listening who voted top five other than Bengal Tiger... Yeah, you're wrong. What are you thinking? Because you're wrong. I mean, my, is he better than Kyrie Irving? Is he better than John Wall? Is he better than Russell Westbrook? Is he better than Steph Curry? Right there, those are f- at least four names that can't even be debated and then you're talking about a healthy chris paul damian lillard all you know kemba walker all yeah, of these different yeah, players yeah different. all these different point guards that are playing so well and on a different level and it's not even a comparison top top five it's not not where he belongs but top 10 i think he's the ninth let's say ninth maybe 10th maybe eighth i don't really know who ends my top 10, but he'd be up there, not anywhere close to my top five. But I totally agree with how the poll turned out that he is top 10 and yeah. well-deserved. Yeah, I agree. Put him like right at number 10. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Kemba Walker. I'd put ahead of him. Um, uh, who else? Kyle Lowry. We mentioned this a little bit before we started the podcast. Some I, people would put him ahead. I'm just not at Lowry. Yeah, I think I just barely put Lowry ahead of Conley, but... That's Plus, he just got close. a hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, but Conley has Conley has that like five year yeah, hundred fifty yeah, three million. That's Marcus Gasol's team, though. In my mind, that's Marcus Gasol's grind city in Memphis. Yeah, and Conley is the the Kyrie Irving to the LeBron. Obviously, not in the same aspect, <laughs> but Conley is the number two guy. He's not even the best player on the Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think it's pretty close, but yeah, I'd yeah, say but Marcus he's still Gasol not the best player on the Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Hall is a difference maker, and Conley can be, but no, he can't drop 50 on any given night, and he's not mm-hmm. going to average anywhere near 10 assists either. And obviously, there's the stuff that's off the, you know, box scoring off all of his stats, but still, you, you know, stats do matter, and you can look at progression. He is a 10 year veteran, and he's had very consistent numbers throughout his entire career. So right. he's shown a consistency, but hasn't shown flashes of greatness. Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think we're definitely in agreement that he's just barely top ten, but obviously nowhere near top five. Before we end this podcast, I just want to ask you, who are your top five point guards? Um, Russell Westbrook, number one. It's got to be Steph Curry, number two. Um, I go Chris. uh, Sorry, Kyrie Irving, three. John Wall for Chris Paul five. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie. I think, I think I just just watching some videos on Kyrie the other day. Also, he has the best handles in the league. Yeah, and he can do stuff with the ball that other people can't do. And yes, he can go and drop fifty on a given night. He's got the capability to do so, and the role on the Celtics now to do so. Also, he's going to have a scary year this year. Also, with Hayward being out, it's even more of a calling for him to step up. So I see him having just an insane year. John Wall's right behind him. He's the fastest point guard in the league, in my opinion. And he's insane. He's down the court in half a second, and he's already dunking on you. And he brings a lot of energy to the game. Chris Paul, it's it's really tough right now because of the fact that he is injured. But his defensive presence and his leadership and the grit that he brings to any team is – will never be overlooked. So that's just a difference maker. And seeing what he brought to the the Rockets on their first game, just literally the one game, you saw that they he led them personally to that victory against the Warriors to start that with his leadership and his defensive presence and how he, you know, you saw that the Rockets were playing different kind of defense and were under a different kind of leadership. So it's just things that can't be really put on the stat sheet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he got injured um, during that game, but uh, right. yeah, yeah, definitely his leadership. The, yeah, his leadership is a big component to what makes him such a great point guard. Um, aside from his playmaking ability, his defensive ability. And, and of course, we're going into a league of non-traditional point guards now. You know, Giannis, Ben Simmons, all right. these players James, that are James Harden, quote, his quote, quote unquote point guards, just dribbling the ball up the floor. But right. we're talking about true point guards. Right, right, yeah. So, all right, yeah, I think that was a nice, healthy discussion to end the podcast. Do you have uh, anything else you want to bring up? Any other topics before we go? No, just can uh, continue to be interactive with us on Twitter. Feel free to bring up any questions, any debates, any opinions at any time. We love it, and we're going to continue to be all over it. We will interact back with you. You might even get a shout-out on our podcast, just like our buddy Bengal Valley did today. <laughs> And, you know, we really enjoy simulating conversation about this stuff. And with the season starting, there's a ton of questions you guys may have. Um, We're excited to see a bunch of stuff uh, unravel this year. It's only been about a week into the season, so we wanted to give it a little bit of time before opening up with our starting podcast of this season. We had one of the craziest off-seasons of all time in NBA history. So Corbin and I had a ton of fun covering this off-season, getting unwrapped, started, and now with this season started, it seems almost unreal to me seeing how some of the stuff is already playing out. Hayward's down, all this storyline. This season is another one for the book. So we're super excited about it. We hope you guys are too. And we hope that you can get excited with us. So definitely subscribe to us on iTunes, please. And we also are on SoundCloud. Please, please, please go follow us on Twitter uh, at NBA Unwrapped. Follow Corbin at Corbin MRPK. You can follow me at Perry Aston, my first and last name. Uh, I know Corbin's getting a, a lot more active on Twitter, and he's loving this. He's the one that's been putting out those polls. Uh, so I love what he's putting out for our page, too. Uh, it's growing in a big way. We got a lot bigger of an audience now, and we're just growing and growing and growing. So we're excited. We hope you guys are too, and we hope you guys stay, you know, in tune with us and stay excited. This season's going to be crazy. So, uh, any last words for you, Corbin? Yeah, just thank you all for listening. Again, you've been listening to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. 
I'm your host, Corbin Weinerman, with my co-host, Perry Aston. Perry, say goodbye. Bye, guys. We'll see you guys next time. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, hope you tune in next time. Take care. Bye, guys. Have a great weekend.